You're listening to devpath.fm, the podcast about career development for software engineers. Join the conversation at www.devpath.fm or on Twitter at devpathfm. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Jacob Harrington and today I'm talking with Ali Spatel. Ali is a software developer and a developer advocate. Ali, do you want to say hello and talk a little bit about what a day in the life of a software developer and developer advocate looks like? Hey, for sure. So I actually just started a new job about a week and a half ago. So I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a typical day yet, but I'm definitely getting there. And my new team has been awesome with onboarding me. I'm actually working for Dev. You may have been to the website Dev2. We're building that as our platform. It's a really, really cool place for developers to share their content and for people to start discussions. I was a longtime member before I started working for them, and I've been a big part of the community for the past year or so, so it's really cool to be on the other side of it now. Um, So far, I've mostly been trying to take on my first couple issues and start thinking about how I'm going to take on problems. Of course, just downloading the app and getting it all set up and working my way around where everything's located with the app is a decent amount of work starting out. So that's most of my software engineering stuff for now. But another big part of my role is developer advocacy work. I know that looks different at a lot of different places, but essentially what I'm going to be doing is just still interacting a lot with the developer community, making sure that I'm still making content on the platform. Even though I work for the company now, I'm going to be doing a lot of conference talks and um, still just engaging with that developer community whenever possible. So what, what part of that new role like excites you the most? What made you want to take that job? I think, honestly, the fact that the platform has been so helpful for me in my career, and it was really my launching point. I say that last year at this time, I had like 100 Twitter followers, and nobody was reading my blog posts. And then over the course of last year, like 570,000 people read my blog posts. And a huge part of that was launching on dev and being part of the community there. And I really feel like that platform helped me grow so much that I feel that working there can help both the platform and the community and then also myself. And it's a product that I really stand behind. So it's really cool to work for. So that's the most exciting part for me. The other really cool part is that I get to do a lot of things that I love. My past job, I was actually teaching code rather than coding full time. Um, And so I think teaching is a huge part of developer advocacy and teaching people about um, dev and how they can use it best and that it even exists. So the role is part teaching and the creating content role is obviously um, teaching as well. But then also I'm going to be writing code as well, which is something that uh, I haven't been doing in a production environment for a little bit. So it's really cool to join those different interests all into one role. Yeah. One thing that really stuck out to me there was your experience going from a small following to a large following in a relatively short period of time. Um, What was that like? And how did you 
kind of decide to start making content? Yeah. So I started making content last October. I had this really random idea to make myself learn one new thing a week, build an app with it, and then write a blog post about the learning process and how that was. Um, I did that for a little bit, uh, mostly on Medium at first, and then I started cross-posting to Dev after seeing them on Twitter. And I did that for a couple months. It gained like a niche following, but not not really anything too big. Uh, and at the same point, my speaking stuff was kind of growing as well. I was getting asked to do more and more speaking opportunities. And so I kind of put blogging on hold. Then this summer, I moved to Connecticut, and I did not know anybody. And it was just for a temporary um, position. So I wasn't planning on staying there long term. And since I didn't know anybody, I had a ton of free time, and I started writing again. Um, I had this concept of a hybrid lifestyle programming blog, and a lot of the posts were really aimed at beginner programmers. Uh, It was kind of the content that I wish that I had when I started programming. And that content, it was really lucky. uh, Kind of people really took to it well, and it definitely was big for me growing kind of a following and it was really cool to start seeing people really reading my writing. Um, Definitely growing super fast has been cool in some ways. It's been really, really awesome to know that people are reading my content and hearing my opinions on things. That's been really cool. In some ways, it's a little bit overwhelming as well in that there wasn't this slow growth where I was figuring things out along the way. Um, but I'm definitely learning and I've made a lot of great friends who have given me great advice on how to handle and navigate everything, especially as like a woman on the internet. Yeah, that seems like kind of an eternal struggle. How does that affect like the content you create? For sure. So the women in tech community has been incredible for me and women in tech groups have been so awesome. I've made so many great friends and learned so much from those communities and felt super comfortable at those meetups and conferences that are geared towards women. Um, So the women in tech community has been huge for me. With writing content, I definitely, again, write to my former self usually. And so I had like one blog post this year that was thank you based off of Ariana Grande's Thank You Next. It was about linked lists. I like writing that kind of content that people wouldn't traditionally associate with uh, software developers, but just kind of flipping the script in some sort of way um, and appealing to a different audience than people traditionally think of. That was really fun. I think that that's the most influential part of my content. I also brand everything with like pink because I like pink. I think another big part of it though is the content promotion and thinking about where to promote content that'll be not awful towards me. If that mm-hmm. if, to not be too dramatic, but. I've had pretty good luck on um, Twitter and Dev. Uh, Twitter, sometimes like, you get your people, but 
the most part has been overwhelmingly positive. But places like Reddit are usually not super friendly towards women in tech. And so I definitely avoid posting my own content there. And when somebody else posts it, I don't read the comments. Yeah, that seems like it's a a pretty healthy thing to do is to kind of avoid the places where you already know it's going to be generally negative. Um, I think a a lot of people who try to get into content creation obsess over like feedback and metrics and whatever. And that's completely the wrong approach. I think that the concept of like writing to yourself is a much healthier and, and smarter way to go about it. Totally. I still go back to so many of my blog posts and use them as a template for whatever I'm doing, especially my uh, speaking and blogging posts. They're a great kind of template for myself for what I should be doing when I'm applying for conferences, but especially if it's been a while and my blog post stuff, it's great to look back on my old advice for myself and apply it to new posts. So as a developer, how do you think writing content has helped you to grow? If you can explain something in a way that somebody else can understand it, it means that you really know something super well. And so that's one big part of it is having to explain things. Um, But another big part of it is the idea of like learning in public or having other people hold you accountable Um, when you know that people are reading your writing and you promise a post, I'm not perfect about it, but if I know that somebody is looking forward to my post, it makes me really want to write it. So it's made me learn new things in order to write about it, especially that on learning new things series that I did, um, last year and last winter, I made myself learn so many different things for that, um, my content now is usually a little bit more beginner focused. So it is stuff that I have known for a while, but it's still good to internalize my thoughts about those things and be able to explain them pretty in depth. Do you think having the confidence to talk about technical subjects has helped you deal with imposter syndrome or is that something that you still struggle with? I think it's something that I definitely still struggle with. I think that in some ways it has gotten better than it was definitely the very beginning of my career, but it is still something that I think about a lot. Um, especially being like a younger woman in tech and not always looking like everybody else in the room, it can sometimes feel a little bit like maybe I don't fit in or maybe this industry isn't right for me, but Overall, it's been a really positive experience and really cool to be a member of the tech community. Um, Something that I've done to help a lot with imposter syndrome is keeping a record of my wins. So whenever somebody says something really nice about my blog posts or I got really nice student feedback when I was teaching or uh, good comments on an annual review or something like that, I would uh, screenshot them or jot them down and put them all in a folder together so that if I have a day where I'm really struggling with imposter syndrome or somebody's being mean about my writing or something like that, then I can look back on that and say, okay, well, today's tough, but other people did believe in me at all these other points. And so I'm, I'm really not an imposter or not great at this. 
Do you think that perspective kind of feeling like you may not belong, does that affect or fuel the content you create or the way you work as a developer? I think so. In some ways, since my content was so tailored to the people that are like me or that it was or it is towards the previous uh, person that I was when I was starting out in tech, I think that I noticed there wasn't a lot of content like that out there. A lot of tech content, if it uses examples, it'll use something like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, or even if you're on (laughs) Twitter, I don't get a lot of the references. And that's awesome that those are what other people are interested in, but I've never seen any of those movies. And so that can be a little bit of an isolating experience. And so I wanted to create content that was more tailored towards me and my interests. And so I think that that definitely has been influential there. What was your first experience mentoring others? Do you remember? So I think in my first job, I was pretty lucky that I went in with the title software engineer instead of like junior or anything like that. And so um, there I definitely was able to mentor juniors and help them along their road a little bit. But then it really started when I started teaching for the past year and a half or so. I've been one of the lead instructors for General Assembly's boot camp, uh, web development boot camp. And so that whole entire job is essentially mentorship. It's really cool to see people's growth and to see them progress in their coding journeys. I know for a lot of engineers and people in general, teaching others is a really good way to learn and grow. Did you have that experience? And would you recommend teaching as kind of a career path or an experience for developers? 100%. It is so, so, so cool to be able to impact other people. And for me, I'm definitely more of a social person, even though sometimes code can be more of like an individual experience. Sometimes depends on the team that you're on for sure. A lot of teams are more collaborative, but other ones are a little bit more individual. And so for me, being able to interact with people all day, every day was super, super awesome. Um, I think that it also really solidified my knowledge. I did some computer science in college So I did have those fundamentals from there in that, you know, I knew what a linked list was or I knew what a pointer was, but with web development, I was totally self-taught. I didn't learn HTML and CSS in school. I didn't learn JavaScript in school or anything along those lines. So I was totally self-taught in those areas just by reading tutorials online and the documentation and things like that. And so going through teaching over and over again made it so that I really had to shore my fundamentals up in those web development uh, areas that I didn't necessarily have because I was focusing more on getting them working rather than really understanding what was going on behind the scenes or anything like that. So it definitely was super, super critical and um bolstering my knowledge and shoring up those fundamentals that I might have skipped over a little bit. 
I think that's a fairly common experience, even for people who have a strong formal formal education background, that they maybe didn't learn a lot about what they actually do in school. Do you think having the perspective of someone who had some formal education plus self-teaching has helped you to relate to people when you mentor them? I definitely hope so. I think that I have a weird kind of hybrid education experience now in that I was not a computer science major, but I did take computer science classes. And then most of my knowledge is self-taught. And then being involved in a boot camp and so much of the DC tech community stuff that I've kind of gotten to see all those different perspectives. And I think that so many or pretty much all of them are so valid and so great for different people and uh, different life stages. And so I definitely think that all of those are totally awesome and totally valid for different people. Um, And I think uh, that's been really cool to see and be able to experience all those different perspectives. So do you have any advice for people who want to get into more of a, like an educational mentorship role? How should they start? And are there any pitfalls that you encountered? I would say to start at community events first and try to mentor at those if possible. I know, especially in a lot of medium sized or bigger cities, there are tons of tech events where you can just teach for one night, teach like an introduction to Python or something along those lines. So you can see if you like it and you find it rewarding without committing your career to it. Um, another thing is to just get involved online and answer questions from people on there. If it, I think that everybody in some ways in tech teaches at some point because you're you know, answering questions from another developer or posting on Stack Overflow, any of those things, they're low commitment, but they are are teaching in a way. And so I think in some ways, everybody is a teacher, but if you're trying to get it into it more uh, formally, then I would definitely recommend getting involved in the community first, do lower commitment, one-off things, make sure you like it, and then maybe try to... Uh, do a part-time teaching thing if possible. If not, then um, maybe a TA role and then you could transition full-time or whenever you feel that you enjoy teaching, then that could be a good time to transition to full-time. But then there are also so many awesome community programs like Teals is a program that allows you to teach in high schools And that's like a volunteer program that you would do on top of your normal job, but it is a little bit more structured. So doing something like that isn't a full career transition. Um, For me, I'm lucky in that I did take a lot of education classes in college. I would have been an education minor if I had finished school in a traditional way. That's a whole another story. But um Education was something that I learned in a more formal setting, which was really cool. And I was able to um, teach in middle schools. So I did have some experience in that regard before teaching code and was able to merge those kind of experiences together and being a software engineer and having an education background. 
how does teaching others affect how you actually complete your your tasks as an engineer? I think being able to really understand something in depth is really helpful and understanding the mechanics of how something is doing something or why something is doing something has been really helpful and teaching things so many times. Um, students come up with the, the best questions and so you have to be super, super prepared for any curveball that's thrown at you there. Um, and so, yeah, you really have to know things in depth in order to teach it. So that's really helpful there. And then also just working on a team. If you can help other developers to grow, that's a, a pretty good asset for any team that you're on. So I think teaching is definitely a huge asset um, for you as a programmer. Do you think any specific characteristic that you have makes you good at teaching others? And how can people build that skill set? Definitely. So I'm lucky in that I like working with people a lot. So I think that that helps and has been a big drive in why I like to be so involved in the community. I really like working with other people. Um, so that's one big thing. And I, I don't know if there's much you can do to grow that. I'm sure that there is maybe just hang out with a lot of people. But um, another thing is that I think I'm lucky that I'm in a place in my life where I don't have a lot of non-work commitments. And so that's really helped me to grow in my role pretty fast. Um, that's definitely not realistic for everybody and not even something that I would recommend to most people. But I think that that's an important piece of context that if people look at what I do and is like, are like, how does she do it all? How does she put out all this content and also work a full-time job and, you know, organize meetups and stuff like that? It's because I am at a place in my life where I can dedicate a huge amount of time to my career and maybe I'll transition to that out of that at some point, but that has been um, really how my stuff has been able to grow pretty fast, I think. So from a content creator's perspective, what is the most valuable thing that someone could start learning when they first got going with their career? And then how would they grow that into a more senior role or as a uh, mentor? I think for me, it's definitely the non-technical skills. In some ways, like knowing a bunch of languages and knowing them in depth is super, super helpful and will definitely be an asset in your career. But also being the programmer that's the stereotype in all the uh, media that is super antisocial, it's not going to help you progress, especially if you're moving into a senior role where you have to mentor people and you have to um, interact with the tech community or with stakeholders, any of those people. So I think working on your non-technical skills like empathy and um, communication and all of those things can really be an asset. And a lot of those are just built with practice and really thinking about them um, rather than anything magical or anything like that. But I think that those skills are undervalued in tech, but I think that they're really, really important as well. Yeah, I think this space for like antisocial software engineers is shrinking. I think you need to be able to be 
effective on a team and good at working with others, especially in an environment where you're going to have juniors, because if you're not someone who's able to facilitate the growth of others or help at least not be detrimental to their growth, you're going to like lose your organization, a lot of money and time. Um, because there are so many people entering this field, it's now become a prerequisite to being senior that you're able to help those people kind of get acclimated. Totally. I totally agree with that. So as a, someone who's entered the industry in the last five or 10 years, what, uh, what was your experience interacting with seniors and what was kind of the thing that you look out for when you consider working in a leadership role or looking at senior coworkers? Yeah. So I have been a startup person my whole career so far. So I worked for two smaller companies with somewhat flat leadership structures. Um, so at my last software engineering job, I was working directly under the CTO and was working pretty independently on most of my work. So I actually, unfortunately, have not worked incredibly extensively with a bunch of senior people. Um, but he was an incredible mentor and I learned so, so, so much from him. He really believed in me when I probably at that point didn't believe in myself and had actually quit programming for a while because I didn't think I was good at it and um, only kind of ended up back in a software engineering role because I couldn't find anything in politics that was not a unpaid internship. So I kind of lucked out and he really, really believed in me, which was awesome. But in my career, I've been weirdly enough near the more experienced side of the spectrum for the entirety of it, which is definitely a very, very unique experience. But um, I wish I had a better answer for you on that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, just because I'm curious, what was it like kind of going into a software engineering role when that wasn't really ideal for you? Yeah, so it's super, super funny. I was applying for a bunch of more political roles. So my dream was to be a political journalist. You know, the people that follow candidates on the campaign trail and ask them questions. Um, that's what I really, really wanted to do career-wise. And uh, both politics and journalism are fields that um, I would say are not super great to employees. And they definitely require a lot of free work before you ever get paid. And once you do get paid, it's not not great usually until you really work your way up. And so um, I was a junior in college and I had been teaching for my computer science department and I had taken a C++ class and had at that point thought that I wasn't very good at coding and had kind of given up on it and was like, this is not the career path for me. I um, previously had really, really enjoyed coding and thought it was really awesome. Uh, but at that point, I was like, nope, this is not at all the job for me. Um, I suck at this. I I'm done. And so uh, then that I had taken like a semester off from coding, though I was in an internship at the time where I was doing the data analysis work. So Excel isn't is 
kind of programming in some ways because you're putting together formulas and I was writing macros and stuff like that. But it wasn't like hardcore coding. It's more of a political job. And then for that summer, I was looking for a new political internship and had been sending out resumes and stuff like that. And this one company reached out and was like, you're kind of perfect because you write code and are interested in politics and that's what we do they were a startup and so um I was really cool they offered me an internship and then a opportunity to move into a full-time role after that and so um the summer before my senior year in college I landed my first software engineering job totally accidentally so kind of having that that mix of interests I guess was super helpful I think one thing that people undervalue, especially when it comes to seniority in software engineering, is understanding the vertical that you're in. Totally. A lot of people who have been super senior, in my experience, have really understood the problem space even more than the technical stuff. I totally agree with that. I think having the context of the industry is super, super important and something that I have definitely seen with boot camp students. Um, for my last couple cohorts at GA, I was working on their enterprise program, which puts their web development bootcamp program within a company training their own employees to be developers. In one of those cohorts, I was at the Hartford Insurance Company, and they were retraining a bunch of longtime employees into developer positions. and. I think that those developers are now going to be so, so, so awesome for that company because they have so much insurance context and know that part of the industry super, super well. And now they're building the products that they are using. And I think that you can't do much better than that when you're looking for um, experience there. And I think the same thing is true for a lot of boot campers. If they're going back into their previous industry with, new skills. I think that it's only an asset. I think it's really, really, really helpful. What is your, and you've probably answered this question quite a few times as a, as an instructor, but what is your advice to someone coming out of a boot camp versus someone who has a formal education as they try to go from their first junior role into more of a senior role? I think that really your education probably will only matter for that first role, at least hopefully. Um, and I think my base advice I'm gonna is to not stand for people being rude to you based off your education and not undervaluing your experience because you do know so many things that CS people don't like I, I didn't know web development when I was starting out, but they do know web development. Like it's just a it's a different skill set. And the fact that that's undervalued by some employers, I think is just really awful and something that makes me very angry. And so I really for boot campers, I, I think that in some ways people will undervalue their experiences, but they really shouldn't. They should not accept it when people are rude to them about that. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. And I agree with the idea that your formal education 
generally, um, it may you know help you throughout your career, but generally it only really matters in getting that first job. Um, and if you've done that for a little bit, then you kind of have that that employment becomes your credentials instead of your education. Yeah, I would agree with that. I at least I hope so. I, I know that that's been the way it's been for me in my career, but I hope that that's true for other people as well. I would like you to kind of share something you think that you could improve on or might just consider yourself to be bad at. Totally. I don't even know where to start with this one because there's so many things. I, I personally, one thing that I have not focused on development-wise at all is like DevOps. I feel like I don't know what's going on at all there. Um, I was super, super bad at C++ and it's why I quit coding for a while. Um, so that's definitely something that I haven't even revisited. So maybe I'd be less bad at it now, but that was definitely not my strong suit back in the day. Um, as far as non-technical skills, there are, I could go on forever about technical skills. There's nobody can know everything and I, I'm definitely no exception to that at all. Um, but then, uh, what am I bad at on a more personal level? I think confidence is something that I could really work on I hedge a lot of my work with stuff like I don't know if this is good or not but can you just look over it for me when I think that secretly I do know that it's okay and it's good work but I should be more confident about it up front um, and then another thing is consistency I wish I could be one of those content creators that's incredibly incredibly consistent and always has something out of the same time and has a million different things but that's just not me i get new ideas and kind of run with them rather than being super super consistent on doing the same thing all the time so ali if someone wants to learn more about you where should they go i think the best place to find me is at dev2 slash that's my dev profile you can read my writing on there and then the other place would be on my Twitter, which is also a spittle. Cool. Well, Ali, thank you so much for sharing and being uh, open about things you've struggled with and things you've been really good at. Um, really enjoyed talking with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is fun. Thanks for listening to devpath.fm. Want to ask a question? Send an email to jacob at devpath.fm.